Hi guys, Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team here. And for our 100th episode here today, I'm really excited to have Craig Kerlop, author of the house hacking book, Real Estate Investor and Real Estate Team Owner. Craig does some amazing stuff in the Denver, Colorado area, and obviously knows everything about house hacking. So I'm really excited for this episode and make sure to listen all the way to the end to learn everything that Craig knows. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today for our 100th episode, we have a special guest here, Craig Kerlop, who is the author of the House Hacking book, former Bigger Pockets employee, real estate investor, and real estate agent in the Denver area. Hey, Craig, how are you? Jordan, my man, so good to be on, man. I'm honored, honored to be the 100th episode. It's like a special little checkbox I get to make off of the bucket list. Glad to have you on, man. I'm, I'm glad I was on your bucket list too. <laughs> so, oh, dude. Always. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And I know uh I know a lot about you, but just so our listeners understand, who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing? Yeah. So I guess my story kind of goes back a few years. Uh, I started real estate investing in 2017. Uh, and I, I discovered the house hacking strategy, not the book, but just like the, the strategy of house hacking through bigger pockets. And it just made sense that that is, it was just the obvious way to get started in real estate investing and the obvious way to achieve financial independence as quickly as possible. And so, you know, I bought my first house hack back in 2017, like shortly after finding bigger pockets uh, and, and, you know, been house hacking for the last five or six years, slowly kind of accumulating a portfolio that has allowed me to become financially independent. That has allowed me to quit my job and start this team of investor-friendly agents in the Denver, Colorado area, and um, really been able to travel and do all this fun stuff, like primarily because of real estate and house hacking. Love it. Um, so for people who haven't read the book, can we start at your first house hack and talk about that? And, and you, you I, I'm going to butcher it, but you have something about the comfortability scale. And I talk about this all the time with people that I talk with. And I think there's this wide variety of ways you can house hack. And let's talk about the first one you did real quick. Yeah. So we have this comfort continuum, which on one side yeah. is comfort and the other side is profit. And as you get closer to profit, you lose comfort and, and vice versa. And so the way I started and the way I recommend everybody to start is very much on that profit side. So less comfort, more profit. And my first house hack was a duplex. And so at this point, you know, renting by the room wasn't very popular. It wasn't publicized. Like the only way to house hack, at least in the bigger pockets community that people knew, was buy a two, three or four unit, live in one, rent out the others. Mm -hmm. And so I bought this up-down duplex. It was a mile and a half from the office. It was brand new remodeled and it was an up and coming part of town. To be honest, I didn't even know it was an up and coming part of town. I was brand new to Denver. So I just got lucky. Wow. Um, I, I purchased that property. You guys are going to laugh at the prices now, but I purchased that for 385,000 and I was scared to death that that was way too high and that I was overpaying. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so this, this fear that everyone thinks they're overpaying, it just has, has always been the case. And it has persisted for the last six, my entire real estate investing career. Um, but I bought this property for 385,000. Uh, I used with an FHA loan. I lived in the bottom and rented out the top. Now my mortgage on that property was like 2,200 and I was getting 1750 for the top. So I wasn't quite living for free and I was determined to live for free. So I rented out my bedroom on Airbnb, put up a cardboard box and a curtain in the living room. And I slept and lived behind this cardboard box or cardboard room divider and curtain for, for a year while Airbnb got my room. And that was very much on the profitable side of the spectrum, but I was so determined to hit financial independence extremely quickly that I was pretty much clearly willing to go, to go all in. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't, I know we've talked about this, but you and I have a very similar story with our first house hack. So I also bought a duplex for, I, I think what people would say too much it, in Minneapolis, the prices were a little less. Um, I lived on the bottom. I had a roommate in one of the bedrooms And I had a porch that was big enough to shove a bed in. And I rented that out on Airbnb. Um, So the porch was an Airbnb. I actually had a bedroom because I was that fancy. So I had my own bedroom and I I made money to live in this property. You had a porch that you rented on Airbnb in Minnesota? Was it? Tell me it was heated at least. Yeah, it was heated. It wasn't well insulated. Um, Okay. So this was before I moved to Austin. My next property in Austin, of course, was was a lot warmer and a lot nicer. But this was not a not a nice duplex in in a good area. But yeah, I, I was determined to live for free, just the same as you. And and I love that. And I love that you recommend that for people. Um, I don't think people understand how powerful it is to do that for at least a short period of time, maybe a year or two, where you can really get that ball rolling. Um, I look at it as you're trying to get the financial ball rolling and it's a lot easier to get it rolling quickly. If you rent out a room or two in your unit, or if you get a house and you rent out all the rooms and you can live completely for free. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way I kind of phrase it too, and I like that metaphor of the financial ball, but it's, you know, when, when you're starting out, your nest egg is small. Mm-hmm. And so you need to make the like the largest possible return on that nest egg in order to like, add more snow to that snowball or whatever it is. Right. And then as you get a bigger nest egg, you can then move on that continuum towards comfort, take a smaller return, but it's okay. Cause now you can live the life that you've always wanted and dreamed of just for a couple of years of sacrifice. And so I always say you want to start on the profitability side and then work your way down the comfort continuum towards comfort. And frankly, like I'm going to say you should always house hack, but I get it. It's not for everyone forever, but you know, you can do it for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many ways. So you talk about this in the house hacking book too. There's so many different ways to house hack. Um, I know a guy here in Austin that has a $2 million house in one of the best areas of Austin. And by running an Airbnb out of the ADU above his garage, he covers almost all of his mortgage. I also have a client that we sold a condo to in South Austin. He only house hacks it when he's not in it. And he runs an Airbnb out of it when he's not in it. Most months he pays for all of his mortgage just off that Airbnb because he likes to travel. Um, My first property in East Austin was a single family with an ADU. That was my least profitable um, to to date. And I paid about 700 bucks a month to live in it, but I sold it for around a hundred thousand dollar gain a couple of years later. 
but yeah, my last two house hacks have been really nice. Like you, you've been in one of them. They've been really nice um, in really nice areas, like in, in great areas of Austin. I've fully remodeled them before I moved in. You know, I, I have tile, I have stainless steel, I have all that stuff. And my last one, I actually, I live completely for free now by running an Airbnb out of the other unit. And you just got to take what you can do because in Austin, lots of people are traveling here. Airbnb is a, not easy to do, but when you can do it, it's very profitable. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you guys, you, you do a lot of rent by the room if I'm right. We've done everything. Yeah. Um, so we, we've done rent by the room. Uh, I personally transitioned to most of my rental, uh, my uh, rent by the room uh, to either Airbnb arbitrage or just traditional right. rental. Um, yeah. And so honestly, I'm all in on the arbitrage play. Like um, I've got a couple people in Denver who do Airbnb arbitrage. So what that means is these people who I know, like, and trust will come and ask to rent the unit from me. Mm-hmm. Then they'll go ahead and put it on Airbnb. And they'll keep the difference of what whatever Airbnb whatever Airbnb makes and whatever they pay me. And so I get the steady rent that I like at a premium, at a market premium, and they do the property management. So I'm saving on property management and um, and they're giving me a premium. It's, it works up to be about five, six hundred dollars per unit more than a traditional rental would with property management. Uh, and it's like literally no work. I don't have to worry about reviews, I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, it's yeah. just totally passive. And I'm like, okay, like I'm kind of leaning into that now. So I've, I've, I've done Airbnb myself. I've done this. I've done rent by the room. I've done the traditional, um, again, I've done a lot of different strategies. That's awesome. That's a really cool strategy that I really hadn't thought about or heard about yet. Obviously heard about arbitrage, but you know, to take your house back, rent it to somebody who's going to do arbitrage. Um, and I think, you know, you highlight a lot of strategies that we always tell people here in Austin that are looking for their first house hack and are having trouble making the numbers work. They get creative with your rental strategies, just like you talked about. I don't see that it's very easy to make a long-term rental work for cash flow when you're not in the property. You know, you might live for cheaper while you're in it, but it gets really hard to make the numbers work when you move out. I don't know probably similar in Denver because prices have gone up so quickly too. Yeah. You know, you just have to, you just have to make the deals work and get creative and network and figure out like, right. Like if I were to take the prop, my most recent property that I bought um, and just rent it out, uh, you know, it's a single family, but it's got two units kind of thing, like a single family with a mother-in-law suite. If I were to rent out both those units, um, I probably would break even maybe, maybe cash for like a couple hundred bucks a month. But with this strategy of, uh, you know, of the arbitrage, the rental arbitrage I'm doing on this one in particular, instead of getting like $3,000, $3,500 a month in rent, I'm going to be getting over $5,000 a month in rent. Wow. Right. And so now it just like, it pushes with, with less, with less property management fees and less work and less headache. And so it's like, it just adds that, like it adds oomph for lack of a better word, like adds oomph to like all of my deals. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm happy with a, thousand dollar cash flowing property in Denver. Yeah. Right. Like how, how do you, how are you mad about that? Yeah. You're also getting all the crazy appreciation that Denver's having and cash flow at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like we talked to our clients about that same thing here in Austin. We're saying, Hey, you know, I personally, I want to keep buying in Austin because I want to keep getting this crazy appreciation. Mm-hmm. It's been really good to me and I have to figure out ways to make the deals work and you got to do something like that. You can have both. 
you know, but you got to get creative. It's not so simple that you just buy it, rent it out, and then no work. You know, you got to get a yeah. creative with it. You know, those those days, those days are over, right? Like when, when Bigger Pockets first started, and if you listen to the early episodes, like you could, you know, you could getting a deal was like shooting a fish in a barrel, right? Yeah. Like it, it was so easy to to get a deal, and it was so easy to rent it out and get the rent to cover the mortgage. But with the appreciation in the last five to seven years, you just can't do it, especially if you're in a city like Austin or Denver. I think I see them as comparable markets in terms of price and people wanting to live there and all that, and um, and and yeah, it's like you got like people want to live there. That's good. That means rent by the room will work. That means Airbnb will work. That means the, the arbitrage, it unlocks a lot of things when people actually want to live in your city. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rather than being somewhere in the Midwest where people don't want to be and they're leaving, you know, where people mm-hmm. say, oh, the numbers work so well here on long-term rentals. Well, it's not going to appreciate. And, you know, maybe if the market shifts or if something happens, those are going to be the markets that are hit the hardest where markets like Austin and Denver, where people have moved out of these mega cities too, are going to be the most stable markets to be in. And I think it's, it's just a, it's really interesting strategies to say, Hey, I want to buy somewhere where people are going. That's hard to do. I have to get a uh, creative rental strategy to make it happen. So, you know, back to house hacking, Uh, I'm sure you get the question a lot. Uh, When is the right time to house hack? So let's say I'm a, I'm 34 and I come to you and I say, Hey, Craig, I heard about this house hacking strategy. I'm 34. You know, I've got a a live-in girlfriend. I've got some pets. Is this something I should do? Yes. Like the answer is always yes. Unless you're like making, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year, you've got assets and you're like, then it's okay. If you've got a business that's making a lot of money, but if you're just working a W2 job, you know, and you're trying to like retire early or you're trying to get ahead financially and build wealth, everyone should house hack because again, you're, you're eliminating your largest expense. You're investing in a property. And if you're in Austin or Denver in a, in a high appreciating area, um, you're obviously you've got the tax benefits, you've got the cash flow. Like, you know, there's, there's so many values to investing in real estate. I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's for everyone. And so like, okay, you, you have a kid, you have a girlfriend, you have a cat, whatever that, that if you don't, there's that spectrum that we talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you don't have to live behind a curtain or you don't have to Airbnb out your porch, right? You can live in your house and rent out like your basement. Or if you buy a house with an additional dwelling unit, rent out that ADU, right? Like there's different ways that you can do it. That's not just like, you know, how the crazy people are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, or duplex, you know, like our, yeah. our duplex, especially here in Austin, because we don't we don't have basements. Um, and we very, very rarely have two story duplexes as they all end up side by side, like townhome style. So I, I would argue, you know, have, having lived in a few different markets, we have probably the most ideal duplexes here in Austin. The only downside we have in Austin is typically when they built a duplex, they built 15 of them around that same duplex. So they're all kind of on a street a lot of the time, not all the time, but that would be the only downside I see is just you end up on duplex streets. Um, I have one in Austin, not on a duplex street. I have one in Austin on a duplex street and both are fine. They're just different. Um, So I guess my next question is, hey, I, I bought my first house hack you know, when do I stop doing this? You know, is this something I should keep doing? Do you recommend that? 
you know, I, I recommend starting off on the profitable side of the spectrum and just moving your way on the comfort side until you just get off the spectrum for a weird way to say that, I guess, but like to get off the, uh, off the comfort continuum or off the house hacking spectrum, yeah. uh, and until you're, until you're over it. Right. And so like, you know, my, my wife and I, we bought our like dream home uh-huh. up in Idaho. Right. Um, our mortgage payment is like the highest we've had. It's about $3,200. Um, and we're renting out the basement for $1,500. Right. And so now we're living in our dream home for $1,700 a month, five acres of land, super private. Um, right. And, and so it's like, what, like right now it's like the house is big enough for us to grow into, like when we have a family, but for now we have a basement that we're not using. So we're happy to rent it out. And so I think like that is again, this is like probably our last house hack. Like eventually we're going to have kids and then she's going to move out. And, and I've house hacked for six years and grace, my wife has house hacked for two years so that we don't have to house hack forever. Right. And when we're ready to stop, we can stop. But I would say until like you're ready to stop, then just keep doing it because it doesn't hurt. Absolutely. No, I love that. I think uh, depending on who you are, it, it could be maybe you're never ready to stop. You know, maybe you do want to stop someday and you say, hey, I've got, you know, three, four, five, six of these house hacks all making me money. And they've allowed me to invest in other things that are also making me money. And I, and I just don't have to do this anymore. I struggle with that personally. I always say, well, why would I not keep doing it? So I can buy these things and you know, you know, you've bought real estate investments. They feel cheap when you start to buy real real estate investments, when you got to put that 20, 25% down, you're like, Oh man, 5%. This is awesome. This is a free house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're putting, you know, in Denver, you're putting 20 or $30,000 down to buy like a 400, $500,000 house you know, now, now, like we're kind of, I think we've thrown in the house acting towel at this point. Again, we've done eight collectively as a couple and I've done six. Uh, it's, it's like, I, I'm ready to buy just some traditional investments. And now I'm looking in Denver. Cause that's the market that I know, like, and trust. And I'm like, Oh man, 20% down on 600,000. Now I've got to throw down 120 grand. Right. It's different, but house hacking has got me to the point where I can get 120 grand not super hard and I can still continuously buy a property one a year pretty easily at least. So love it. Yeah. So by house hacking, you have all these options now. Do you think you would have and I, and I didn't prepare Craig for this question, do you think you would have all of these options if you hadn't started house hacking? I, I really wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't start house hacking. Right. I mean it all started with house hacking, uh, with, with like building up the passive income. Once I got enough passive income to quit my job, I quit my job that allowed me to take the risk of becoming a real estate agent and building a real estate agent team. And that has brought me more money than any job could ever bring. And then that has just allowed for more investments and more opportunities and meeting people like you and everyone, you know, everyone else in this community. And my life would be totally different if I didn't start house hacking. So like that, that's a huge inflection point in my life for sure. Well, yeah. And you wrote the book on house hacking. I don't think you would have written that book. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Something tells me. Yeah. If you had not been house hacking yourself. Um, awesome. No, I love that. And I really like that you're using that. You, you just, you, you had all these leverage points in your life where you're like, Hey, I, I started house hacking. I can build up passive income where I can quit my job, where I can build up a business that allows me to have other people grow into my business. And I've just, you, know, you keep growing your world, but 
health hacking seems to have been a jumping off point for you to do that. And I like to tell people that, that health hacking doesn't have to be just about, do you want to grow a real estate portfolio? It could be, I want to quit my job and I need to reduce my expenses so I can then quit my job and try something new. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. That's, that's the foundation. It's just the foundation. And if you keep your expenses low, one, two, three, two or three house hacks can get you to financial independence. And then, and then it's just a matter of taking that risk and going all out. So. Yeah. And I just love why I'm kind of hooked is I love the amazing leverage that you get through house hacking, you know, so the returns seem so much greater because it's just such a little investment and you're able to make so much so you know you can go sell these places or you get the cash flow on them and you say i really didn't do too much to get this to happen um, so i think that that's probably the biggest thing that took me and you have an interesting calculation that i want to talk about um you're the first person i heard say it the net worth return on investment mm -hmm. i'm butchering that let me know no you got it right can you talk about your net worth return on investment and why house hacking makes that so powerful Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so the net worth return on investment, what it does, it just takes the four main wealth generators of real, of, of real estate or house hacking and you put it over the amount you put into it, right? And so it's a simple return on investment calculation, but you're taking your uh, your cash flow, your rent savings, your loan pay down, and your appreciation. And if you can, and if you if you can figure out your tax benefits, you can add that in there too, um, right? You take all the, you add all those up, and you divide it by the amount of money you put down, right? And so let's say your property is going to appreciate your your property is going to net you a hundred thousand dollars of wealth over the first year, and you put. $20,000 down. Well, that's a five X return. Yeah. Right. And, and those aren't, I, I'm not even pulling those numbers out of my, out of my butt. Like those are normal returns mm -hmm. in the Denver and probably in the Austin area too, with the appreciation we've had. Um, and usually I'm like super conservative when I do my numbers on the appreciation front, I usually just put it like as nothing or as, as like dollar for dollar for like any rehab that I do. Mm -hmm. And still the returns are, you know, 80 to hundred percent. Yeah. No, isn't that just amazing? I think that's why I love your net worth return on investment because everybody looks at the cash on cash return and they say, well, I'm getting a six or seven or 8% return. And you know, that's the best I can find. And it's like, but you're only looking at this tiny little piece. You know, if you bought a house in Austin in the last couple of years, our appreciation in the last two years has been 70%, which is insane. Don't think we're going to see that anytime soon, but who knows? I mean, I never, I never know what's going to happen. I know that. So you got this little piece that the cash flow, your, your ROI, your cash up cash return on investment. Then you add in your appreciation. Then you add in your loan pay down. Then you add in, you know, the, the savings you get through the mortgage interest deduction. And it just starts to blow your mind when you look at the net worth return on investment. I saw that number the first time and said something that's crazy you know this is a hundred percent in a year oh it's that's 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 like an okay deal which <laughs> yeah. is crazy right like I, I can i could run you through every one of my house hacks and every single one is i think my worst one is 118 percent. that's amazing like it's just 
it's just nuts. And, and that, that's the power in it. Right. And so like, like we said in the beginning, like you're trying to get the highest return on the smallest amount of money. That's what house hacking does. And it does it consistently, right? I've house hacked six times. Um, and, and every single one has been hundred percent or more. And right. Like, sure. You can maybe get that in crypto or a startup that you get lucky when, but at the end of the day, you're getting lucky in speculation. And at the time of this recording, at least cryptos has like halved in the past six months. Yeah. And so the people that were touting it are now, I haven't heard of them in in a few months. And so, you know, and I'm not bashing crypto, but it's just one of those things. It's like, you really don't know and you have no control over that investment. So. Yeah. And real estate, you know, there's nothing that's a sure thing, but I think real estate is the most sure thing and house hacking is the most sure way that's going to happen. I know when I started and I bought my first house hack, I had like $3,000. And I had to liquidate an IRA to even get the rest of the down payment funds. Um, now coming up with the down payment for a house hack is, is no problem for me. But like I, I struggled to get that first down payment um, in any way that a lender was happy about. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's usually people's biggest issue is getting that first down payment. And that's the hardest one. The first one's the hardest and two, three, four, five come along and you're like, then you're just rolling. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. They think just keep going. And I, I love that you, you said you've done six and Grace has done two. I've experienced that the true power of it, one is awesome. One is amazing. If you're only ever going to do one, do one in my opinion, but if you can do two, three, four, five, six, like that's going to blow your mind in a couple of years of what you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I mean, think that. about it. If, if each one of those can cash flow you a thousand dollars a month, which again, some of you listening to this might say, be saying no way, but I mean, we, we do it pretty consistently in Denver and it's, you know, six, seven, eight properties. That's six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month. Like that's, that's enough for any normal person to live off of now. Like, do I want to live off of like 70 or $80,000 a month for the rest of our lives? Of course not. Right. We, we want to like enjoy some of the fruits of our labor too. And so mm-hmm you know, that's where like the other stuff comes in. We're making more money. We're going to continue to invest. And so that way we can get to that, you know, 20, 30, $40,000 a month number, which again is, sounds crazy that I'm saying this, but yeah. like, that's, you know, that's like, that's kind of like where we want to be at this point. And then when we get there, we'll probably want to be at a hundred thousand. It's just, it's fun to just kind of keep growing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you know, for people listening, like that might, and you know, Craig or I are Craig and I are in a group called Go Abundance, and like you get to see all these people doing amazing things. And I think hearing of somebody making seven or eight thousand dollars a month to me five years ago was like, wow, that's insane. Somebody's making eight thousand dollars a month, and and now I hear people making twenty, thirty, forty, a hundred thousand dollars a month, and I'm like, there's nothing special about this guy. You know, he he breathes the same air as I do. He eats the same food as I do. Like. I could probably do this too. And, you know, listening to podcasts and hearing stories and being in masterminds, you start to get the, the feeling that, Hey, this is possible for anybody. So, you know, if for anybody listening that hears Craig say 20, 30, $40,000 a month, like that's possible for anybody that can turn on their iPhone and listen to a podcast. Totally. Uh, totally. And, and, and like the, it, it all starts with that one, two, 3,000. And once you start getting more yeah. passive income, you're going to start being introduced to people that have five, 10, 15,000. And then those people, once you get there, you'll start, you'll always kind of be hanging out with people at your level and maybe a couple steps ahead of you and a couple steps behind you. So you can easily see how in reach they are. And yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's funny, right? You're looking at like the guys from abundance and 
you know, a lot of them make well over a million dollars a year. And like, I used to be like, oh my God, a million dollars a year. That's amazing. And now I'm like, oh, he only makes a million. Not that I make more than a million a year, but like, you know, but there's just so, so much to compare to. So, yeah. And it just, it helps get rid of limiting beliefs and, you know, but I, I see you, Craig, like you're seeking out knowledge too. Like you're, this just doesn't happen to you where you ended up in, in these rooms or you ended up at, at certain conferences, like you're out there looking for it and that's available for everyone. There is there is avenues out there. There's the Bigger Pockets Conference. There's the best ever conference. I know there's conferences in and around the United States that I'm not listing, listing, but these, these even just meetups, like go to your local meetup. I know you guys host meetups. Like there's people doing stuff bigger than what you're doing at these meetups. And if you just go to these meetups, you get to surround yourself with these people. But you don't get that by sitting at home and, and watching TV. And you got to get out there and do it. Or, or listening to podcasts and that's it, right? I mean, yeah. people think they're, they're productive by just listening to podcasts or reading books all day. But at the end of the day, like, unfortunately, a lot of introverts out there, you have to go and meet people. Like all of your, all of the people you meet will become your friends and they'll be, you'll be doing deals with them. They'll introduce you to other people. And, and that's how this relationship is built. It just takes time. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. I used to sweat when I talked to new people. I was so scared of people, man. I was such a shy person. Um, but yeah, it just was not for me. I just had to get out there and practice it over and over and over. I remember going to meetups and I would sit down at the table and maybe I'd talk to those few people at the table. And after going to a couple dozen meetups, I'd say, oh, I'll go over and talk to this guy at this table. And you just start to build up that confidence and I can talk to anybody now. Clearly yeah. I have a podcast. Yeah, no, exactly. You, you build up that confidence. If you haven't like heard of Toastmasters, that's a great club to, to join yeah. is like help work on public speaking and, and all that get you comfortable talking in front of crowds. But another thing I want to say about meetups is you, you can't just go once and, and be done. You have to mm -hmm. consistently go. And that's how you make your friends is you see the same people at the same meetups every month. Mm -hmm. after like six months, you kind of become friends with them. And then it's easy to hop from table to table to table. Cause you want to, you, you genuinely want to catch up with all of these people mm -hmm. and then they become your friends then their friends become your friends. And that's how, that's how networking works. Yeah. Your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. So Craig, you know, I know you, you obviously worked at bigger pockets, but what initially attracted you to real estate investing and what, what brought on applying for a job, bigger pockets and doing that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I was hating my job out in California. Uh, I was doing like a venture capital stuff. Um, it, it sounds sexy, but we were in, we were not like, I, there are very few companies out there that are like Facebook and whatever, Snapchat, whatever was then there at the time. Uh, most of them are like data services or some bull, bull crap that I just didn't care for. And so I was basically slaving away at this job and I just kind of looked around and I was like, wow, if I stay here, do exactly what I'm doing, I'm going to end up 30 feet down the hall and maybe an office being in the same place. I just did not want that for my life. And so uh, that's when I realized, um, I, I really, I read Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week. And in that book, he talks about stop thinking about your, your, how much you make on an annual basis. Think about it on a monthly basis and then think about your expenses and once and, and how to build up passive income. And so he taught me that passive income greater than expenses is financially free and you can do whatever you want. And so then I started thinking of startup ideas being in Silicon Valley and just all of them were just absolutely ridiculously stupid and it would never work. 
and then I was, I was living in a 20 unit apartment building in San Jose at the time. And I was looking around and this like little, you know, Hispanic woman, maybe 65 years old comes and collects a check from me. And I was like, I just gave her $2,000 and she did nothing except drive here. And I looked at like all the units. I'm like, if every one of these units is paying her two to $4,000 and there's 20 units, she's making like 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a month by just driving her car here to pick up a check. Mm-hmm. And like, that was when it clicked to me. And then I just started, I got hooked on bigger pockets. I started talking to people and that was far down the rabbit hole. Love it. Yeah. No, it's like the light bulb clicks in your head and you say, Oh, you know, this is pretty simple. Again, like I think every, everything that we've talked about today is just simple. You have to take action and you have to do it. You know, you have to be willing, like you've talked about, you have to be uncomfortable for a little bit and you have to take action. And then before you know it, five, six years later, you're like, I can do whatever I want now because I took that action because I was uncomfortable for a couple of years. And exactly it's not right. that hard. You know, you got to live somewhere. You, we're not saying, you know, sleep in a ditch. We're saying sleep in a nice house in a great city and yeah. just sleep in a room with some roommates. In a house with some roommates, not in a room with the roommates. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe how far you yeah. want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Put a couple beds in a room. <laughs> Um, can you give us some advice on how to avoid a bad deal? You know, I know everybody, everybody who's done a few deals said, I wouldn't do that again, but you have some advice on how somebody could avoid a bad deal or a bad house hack deal. Um, the biggest thing that's going to, there's two things that are going to bite you, the house and the tenants. So do not cheap on the inspections. I would say get an inspector in there. If they suggest a structural engineer, get a licensed structural engineer in there. It's going to be 300 bucks and it's going to be worth every penny. They ask for an electrician, get an electrician in there, get all those contractors in there before you close during your inspection period. So you can know that things, so you know what, you at least know what you're getting into, right? There might be a $10,000 electrical expense um, looming and that may not kill the deal, right? Like if you think about it, if a $10,000 deal is going to, $10,000 expense is going to kill your deal, that, especially in a market that's going to appreciate five or 10% every year, you'll make that back very quickly but just so you know what's going, going into it. Uh, that would be number one. Number two is make sure you stick to your tenant screening. And so, you know, if you're sticking to a 650 or more credit score, like stick to it. Do not make any exceptions. Make sure you call your landlord references, call the employer references, get the pay stubs. Like don't take any shortcuts because bad tenants will cause you. Will, the only thing worse than no tenant is a bad tenant, right? Is, is what they say in, in real estate. So don't, don't uh, take any shortcuts there. Yeah. So and really just do your due diligence, you know, do your due diligence on the property and then do your due diligence on your tenants for your tenants in there. It's easy to skip that tenant part. You're like, Oh, I found a person. They want to rent it. Uh, but maybe they're not the right one. Yep. And I've, I've, by the way, I've, I've done both of those mistakes. And so <laughs> don't do as I do, do as I say, but, uh, but now, but after, after learning right from my mistakes, I now will make sure to don't skimp on the, on the rental criteria and don't skimp on the inspections. I'll pay a thousand or $2,000 on inspections on a property going forward. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah, no, I, I've had the same experience, uh, both of them. So I, I love the advice. Do you have a, something you tell newer investors, say somebody comes to you and they say, Hey, you know, I want a house hack. I'm just a, a little worried about, you know, the numbers don't look so great or it, what about the market? Is the market going to crash? And, yeah, it's uncertain times and it's easy to be scared right now. So what do you tell somebody that comes to you and says, Hey, Craig, I'm interested in this house hacking thing, but is it too late? And can I still do it? 
you know, I always just tell them, look, it was too late 2017 when I bought in 2018, when I bought again, like it's been the same story for the last seven or eight years. Like really, I know it's been going on since at least 2014 of like, oh, the market's going to crash. Oh, the market's going to crash. The simply, the simple answer is we just don't know. And because 2008, 2009 was fairly recent and even us younger people at least have like a memory of the real estate market crashing. Mm -hmm. We have that recency bias, but you remember like the real estate market didn't crash for like 80 years prior to that, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, there were ups and downs and we're going to continue to see ups and downs, but a crash, I just don't think is going to happen. So you need to make sure that you buy cash flowing real estate. That way, in the event that the market does crash, you're okay. Mm-hmm. because you're going to, you know, you're going to have a cash flowing property. You can hold on to it. And if you just keep buying every single year, if you buy a property a year, you're basically dollar cost averaging. So you're going to buy when the market's high, you're going to buy when the market's low. And if you buy when the market's high, or uh, sorry, when you buy when the market's low, um, you know, oftentimes like interest rates change based on how the economy is doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you were buying at a time where interest rates are high, which might be right now, well, in a year or two, once inflation is under control and all that, we're going to be in a recession and in that recession in recessions, the fed tends to lower interest rates to, uh, to promote spending. And when interest rates are lower, well, then you can refinance it and then you're going to get more better cash flow on the deal. But when they drop interest rates, property prices are increasing. So you, it's good to almost like buy when they're high and then you can refinance when they're low at your current rate. And so you're not, you don't have to deal with that jump when rates decrease. Love it. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned something we, we talk about with our clients all the time is you mentioned buying properties where the numbers work, where the cash flow. So you're still making money, whether or not the value is here or here. And if the value goes down, let's say 20 or 30%, you haven't really lost any money until you sell. So don't sell if the value goes down. Do we think values are going to go down? No, I don't. But, you know, like Craig said, we never know. Nobody knows. People say they know, they don't know. And I think we learn the longer we're in real estate that nobody knows when anything's going to happen. In 2020, everybody I talked to, literally everybody thought the sky was going to fall, thought it was over, party's over. Um, there's no way we're making it out of this one. And by middle 2020, we were back at the party. And mm-hmm. I just, you didn't know. So I think that it's important, like Craig mentioned, you know, buy a deal that works. And if the deal works, you never have to sell, especially when you're buying a house hack. And I think we're talking mostly house hacking today. The debt is so secure with those 30 year fixed rate loans. You can refinance if the debt gets cheaper, but you never have to. And as long as you keep making that payment, there's no risk, really. There's always risk, but there's not risk as long as you make your payments of losing the property to foreclosure. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. Yeah. And, and the good thing too about real estate is while the, while the prices may fluctuate, the rents rarely do. Mm-hmm. And so, you yeah. know, the, the rents you just go up occasionally, very occasionally. 
they may go down, but if they go down, they're going to go down by five or 10%. They're not going to go down 30, 40, 50%. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can be, you can, and so in the worst case scenario where you buy the property at the highest possible value where the rents are at their highest, and then they start to go down later, right? Like it's just one, so unlikely that's going to happen, but two, you know, that if it works now, it's probably going to work forever and it will just be better going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Um, Craig, what's next for you? What are your, what are your long-term goals? What's your real estate vision? I know you got the FI team growing in a couple of different areas, Denver, Denver's not small. Yeah. So we're going to continue to grow the FI team, going to continue to, you know, help coach guide and mentor house hackers kind of through their process and, and, and be their agent and kind of help them introduce them to their tribe and, and just get as many people about house hacking and, and real estate investing together. Uh, so that's kind of like, you know, where the five teams going, looking to maybe expand into a couple of different cities, maybe open a mortgage company. That's kind of like the two to three year plan with the five team. Um, me personally, um, you know, we're going to continue to, you know, buy properties here and there, uh, in Denver, maybe a couple other markets, um, and just continue to build up the, um, you know, build up the, the cash flow, and hopefully in, in some appreciation with these houses. And then, you know, the, the next bogey for us is, you know, we want to get to like $20,000 of, of passive income. And then we say like, Oh yeah, we'll be done. But I said that at 3000, 5,000, 10,000. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I just don't, I don't believe it, but yeah, we'll me neither, but <laughs> you know, but it's, it's good because it, it, it alleviates the stress and it allows me to live a more relaxed life. So I can say that I don't work 40 hours a week, not even close anymore. Um, we've been doing trips all year. We bought our dream home. I spend a lot of time with my wife, uh, I spend a lot of time just doing things that I want to do. And so there's a lot, of, there's very few things I do that I don't want to do anymore. So that's a, that's a freedom in itself. Absolutely. No, I, I really like that. I haven't had to do anything I don't want to do for quite a long time. And I think, you know, house hacking had a lot to do with that, but just having the freedom to feel comfortable to start a career that I enjoy really opened the door on that one where I get to do what I like to do every day. So. <laughs> really, really like that, Craig. Um, all right. Last few questions here, Craig. What is your favorite business or mindset book other than your own that you like to recommend? Um, I always, I always recommend like, you know, the four hour work week or the miracle morning it was life changing for me, rich dad, poor dad and all that. So obviously if you haven't read those books, those are must reads, but, um, the one that hit me, hit me kind of at home lately was, was the gap in the gain. Um, that's another popular one that's been going around. And I, I literally, before I read the book, I knew exactly what it was about because I just heard it so much, but I was living in a, I was at a state, I think like timing of books, I think is really important. And I was at a stage where I thought, saw myself comparing myself to others and like wanting to grow faster. And, and then I was just like, that book made me take a step back and be like, Why? Like, why do I want to grow so fast? Like, why? Like, like, I have everything I want and everything I need. I can just like grow at the pace that I want to grow. And I don't need to wake up to an alarm anymore. I can, I can work however much I want to work. And sure, I, I may not hit my 20,000 goal as soon as I anticipated, but who cares? Like that's, that's life's journey. And I can just totally enjoy it now and only work when I want to work. So that, that book made me like, had that, I had that mindset shift with that. And, um, I just think I've been a lot less stressed and probably a lot more fun to be around. So, um, long-winded answer for, uh, what book I'm reading. Oh, I really like that though. I think I, I loved your answer where you said, Hey, you know, this book helped me realize that I just want to be happy, you know, and, you know, because you've done all these, these strategies, house hacking, 
finding a career you enjoy, you can really just be happy. And, and yeah, you can also pursue these other goals, but it can, can be about being happy and spending time with your wife too, which is awesome. Awesome. Uh, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you or to follow you, Craig? Uh, you can hit me up on, uh, on Instagram is where I am the most. I'm the Fi guy. So like the financial independence guy. Um, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're in Denver, you can check us out over the Fi team.com. We've got our own podcast called invest to Fi, where we, we interview kind of like early stage investors kind of all around the country and, you know, just share their journey on financial independence because it's a little bit more relatable than some of the, the bigger dogs on some of the other podcasts. So, um, yeah. Love it. And do you guys have a meetup? I know I see your meetup post all the time. How do people find out about your meetup if they're in the Denver area? Yeah. So if you're in the Denver area, um, we've got meetups. You can go to meetup.com and we are the house hackers meetup. Um, we have one big meetup every single month. It's actually the first Wednesday of each month. And that is today as we're recording. So I'll be going there a little bit later. Um, and our team, our agents host meetups of their own too. So there's probably five or six meetups a month that our agents are hosting. So anytime you want to go pop in and hang out with some house hackers and some real estate investors, you know, any, any week you can do that. Awesome. And, you know, just, just to recap that for guys, it's a VFI guy on Instagram and your team web pages. Remind me that again, the fiteam.com, the fiteam.com. And it's a house hackers meetup in Denver. And you absolutely should go check that out and check out their podcast, check Craig out on Instagram and check out the meetup when you're in the Denver area. Last question here, Craig, what do you like to do in your free time? I know you've, you've been pursuing some pretty cool stuff, but what do you like to do when you're not talking house hacking? Um, I, you know, we've been doing quite a bit of traveling. Um, and so I, so, you know, we are on like a seven week road trip right now. So that's been a lot of fun, just kind of exploring different areas and national parks and all of that. Um, so I'd say like, we do a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, when we're not traveling and we're home. Um, one reason why we bought in Idaho is we want to start homesteading. And so I'm going to try my hand at, you know, I think building a chicken coop is the next thing on the list. And, uh, that is, and I am not handy. So, um, there will probably be some swear words involved and some struggle through it, but, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting it. I've been watching YouTube videos and getting ideas and stuff. So we're getting ready to, to do that. And Grace is really happy. I can see her out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> what is homesteading, Craig? I don't I've never heard the term. You've never heard of the term homesteading? Oh man, you got to get out of here. Uh, well, little... real estate related stuff, home, obviously yeah. homesteading your property. Yeah, no. So really what it is, is um, it's just kind of like, look kind of like being a self, having like a self-sustaining living area. And so, you know, we're going to get like chickens and we're going to have their eggs and we're going to have a little garden so we can have vegetables. And nice. just because they put so much crap in the food these days that we want to know what's going in our bodies. Yeah. And um. And yeah, and so it, it is kind of like a fun thing that, that Grace and I are able to do get two together and build together. And um, we're going to go through some struggles, but those struggles will just create a, a greater bond between us. And I think it will just help further our relationship even more. So yeah, you're fixing the supply chain issues for yourself too. That's awesome. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So if you ever need any strawberries, Jordan, you know where to come. Yeah. <laughs> drive to Idaho from Texas to get some strawberries. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And potatoes. We're probably pretty good with potatoes. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Craig, and, and helping us celebrate our hundredth episode and talking house hacking, which is probably my favorite strategy ever. So I really appreciate it, man. 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me again. It's an honor to come on here and chat with you and, uh, and, and congrats on hundred episodes, man. That's a huge milestone that most podcasts do not make it to. So you're doing something right. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm too stubborn to give up. So I think that's, <laughs> that's where the credit is given. It's just being stubborn. Oh no, that's, and, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good attribute to have. And typically not paying attention to how many people listen. So if, if one person listens, I'm having fun recording them. So I get to talk to cool people. So love it. Boom. There it is, my man. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. We will talk here soon. All right. See you later, man. All right. Take it easy.